This is the Code of Sisterhood, a place where girls and women can gather in a safe space to grow. Here, we stand for support, respect, reliance, and love. I invite you to join my community and connect more deeply with your intuitive insights, to reclaim your personal power, and to live your best life in freedom. My name is Samantha Louise. I'm a women's leadership cultivator, and I'm honored to welcome you to the Code of Sisterhood. Welcome to the Code of Sisterhood. Today, I'm talking with a new friend, Kathy Corley, who is a powerhouse. She is loaded with compassion for and the understanding of human-centered systems and businesses, which personally is a space that I love to just totally geek out in. (laughs) She's an entrepreneur, a conscious business coach, connector of humans and ideas, and a projector. And I promise we will discuss this during the conversation today because it's not what it sounds like. Kathy is also the founder of 4C Discernment, which provides consulting and coaching services that naturally identify optimal business strategies, drive accountable leadership, remove limiting beliefs, create clarity of purpose, and drive transformational change. She's an expert in business growth and development at any and every level with a superpower to see and hear what others overlook as simple yet profound solutions to evolve your strategy, your communications, and the experience within and outside of your organization. Kathy, you are an amazing woman, and I know it's definitely not by chance that our paths crossed recently, so I'm very excited to have you here today. And I'm really excited to be here. It's just such a pleasure to be able to talk with you. Wonderful. So to get settled in a little bit, my first question is just what's big in your world today? Uh, How are you feeling and, and what do you need most right now? A question that we don't always stop to ask ourselves as women. Yeah, I think, um, as women also just as humans, uh, I would say present for me right now is really, um, what's happening on a global level, just with the shift in power and um, being able to sit with that and send lots of light and love out to the people who need it the most, whether they're being displaced or whether they're living in fear or whatever is happening at that level. So present is just really sending love and light to to the planet, to the people, um, and just staying in the faith that goodness always wins and um, will prevail this time as well. Beautiful. And for you personally, what do you need today? Yeah, um, what I need today, uh, I have gotten so much already today. (laughs) I'm uh, thrilled that there's sun in Seattle today. And um, I had an amazing session this morning with a a woman who does Akashic reading. She did a group reading for for all of us, uh, which was really incredible. And so for me, what I need is um, time and space to integrate all that I'm learning. Uh, Things seem to be uh, appearing in in our lives, lessons appearing to, to really accelerate our growth as humans. And so taking the time and space to reflect and then integrate what is, what is, good and necessary. And then what we can let go of is really today. That's all I need is time and space. 
That's lovely. I I know for myself and for a lot of other people I have met, uh, when the urgency to learn comes in, it's so exciting. And sometimes we can run with it <laughs> and not totally integrate, not slow down enough to to take it all in and embody it. So it's beautiful awareness. Yeah. All right. So getting into this, we're going to start out with five symbols of sisterhood. Okay. So it's a little bit uh, playful. And uh, something that I think is really important is learning how to describe words and terms that we're learning, um, not by defining them specifically with words, but trying to share and depict them by their essence. So I love symbols. I love metaphors. I love poetry. So the first five questions I have are about symbols. So number one, what color represents sisterhood to you? I think my, my color's got to be sort of the, the, the violet, uh, the violet color. Beautiful. What does it mean? To me, <clears throat> it just means all inclusive and, um, gosh, the word that's coming is unencumbered. That's not what I, what we normally say, but love, <clears throat> it's just really love for each other. And it represents to me the light in me sees the light in you. Like that is what it means to me. And that I love it. And you just shared a word. What word describes sisterhood? Would it be unencumbered or would do you have a different word that would depict sisterhood? Oh my gosh. Um, the word for me that depicts a sisterhood, which I choose to surround myself with these types of people is really, um, I guess love would be one, but also trust. Trust is so big. And mm -hmm. knowing that the sisters have your back, no matter what is huge for me. What is the theme song of sisterhood or what kind of music makes you mm. feel sisterhood? Um, oh, that's a good question. Let's see. Well, I have a lot of songs that come to mind, but there's a very empowering song that it, I don't know if you watched The Greatest Showman, but there's a song in The Greatest Showman that this is me. And yes. when I think about all of us coming into who we are and on our own self and like really just this is me, that is what I think. And it's like, it's you saying it to me. It's me saying it to you. It's us just really stepping into our who we're meant to be and into our own heart-centered power. That's personally one of my favorite songs ever. I will put it in the show notes so people can go listen if they have not, because it is amazing. Wow. What person in history best portrays sisterhood? Gosh, you know, one of my favorite all-time just inspirations, because she's just so caring and loving, was always Mother Teresa. I just think her selfless giving and um, love for human beings, um, regardless of their station in life, just represents such a, a, a value that mm. we've maybe gotten away from uh, in our day-to-day -day life now. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last symbol, what does sisterhood feel like? <clears throat> when I think of sisterhood, I think of, um, I, I think of locking arms. It's, it's this locking of arms and taking steps forward together and just being um, 
in alignment with each other and in support of each other. And like, you're going to fall, I'm going to pick you up. Like the whole, it's the support of the sisters and being together. I love that. So starting to go a little bit deeper, how would you define sisterhood in 60 seconds or less? Sisterhood to me is when you can gather, uh, whether it's virtually or in person with a group of um, individual uh, people, women who want the best for each other, who hold space for each other, who truly cheer each other on, who, um, who help us strive to be our best selves. And then also um, they're there to pick us up when we need to be picked up, but they're there to celebrate when we're, when we're doing our best. And we can always pick up the phone and call for a gift of gratitude when we need one. So my sisters always know if I call, I'm like, I just need you to tell me how awesome I am. And they're right on it. Like, yep, here's the best three things about you that I love. That to me is a sisterhood. It's, it's a container. It's a group. It's somebody you haven't talked to in months, but you can pick up the phone and pick up right where you left off. And, um, I have several sisters that I, um, that I, would do that for and with and love. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed or how, how have you noticed your own community of sisterhood evolve over time? Does it grow? Does it shrink? What are the dynamics of it? I think for me, um, who my, and I think we shared this a little bit, it's based on my human design. I have um, over my lifetime kind of cut away a lot of the superficial friendships that I had. Um, I, for me, it has to feel Uh, like there's an even energetic exchange. There has to be good going both ways. So we're not always on our best, but in general, the energy has to flow both ways. And so I think I have uh, less um, number, but more quality of the sisters that I have. Yeah. Isn't that lovely and powerful in the process of making that transition? Will you share with us about a time in your life where perhaps you felt alone, isolated, unheard, or disconnected from this community or sense of sisterhood and support? And what was that like? Yeah. Um, so there was a time in my life where I was with a partner and I had made a choice to move to a fairly remote location. Um, I had been through some pretty traumatic uh, things uh, after going through a divorce and having some um, issues with my my daughters. And it was, um, yeah, so lived in a fairly remote place and had was taking sort of a personal sabbatical. And I remember days where I thought to myself, because I had kind of cut myself off, but then when you're remote, you're even more cut off. And so I really didn't have any friends. I didn't really have anybody that even knew what happened to me or where I was because I sort of, you know, slipped away because things were, you know, crazy. And I remember thinking at one point, gosh, you know, if I passed away, I don't know that anybody would notice. (laughs) And I say that now and it's like so different my life. But at the time, that is really what it felt like. If I, you know, tripped and fell on my hike that I was on by myself and you know, we lived in the wilderness. So like, you know, if some animal came and ate me, like, like probably like my mom would care, but like, would I, do I have a close friend of sisters or, or people who would, it would even matter to mm. that's how it felt to me. Yes. As you're saying that I just get chills through my body, right? The, the sensations and the feelings of like, I hear you. That's so, so powerful. And 
when you had that question going through your mind, uh, what did you do with it? What, what did you choose to do with that question? Did it stay there for a while? Did you keep living that way? Or how did you, what did you learn from it? So I learned a couple things from it. One, um, I probably felt that way for about a year. Um, and, you know, when you're in a situation, you've made a commitment to be in a particular relationship or whatever, and you're just trying to make the best of it, trying to make the best of it, trying to make the best of it. Um, I would um, go on my little hike every day up to the top of this amazing hill, not quite a mountain, um, and overlook the entire valley. You could see the ocean. And it was really beautiful, but I would basically sit and sort of commune with nature. Sometimes there were elk, sometimes there were other, you know, um, animals around. Uh, and just, I would sit and contemplate at the, like, what, what are you doing? What's your purpose? Why are you here? And eventually, uh, things started to shift and I realized that it wasn't really my purpose to be there. And it wasn't the place where I was happy and that I wasn't, um, being treated the way that I should be treated. And I sort of, uh, I, I learned a lot of lessons during that time. And I spent a lot of time reflecting on the choices I had made to get there. And I ultimately decided to, to leave, um, and, uh, and completely again, second time do a refresh start. I let, I packed everything up and I was like, I just got to go. And I, I had no, I was on the no plan plan. I just was like, I just know I can't be here. Mm -hmm. So the sense of uh, contemplativeness and reflection, um, have you, like, how has this been with you your whole life, right? Because some people have to go through really hard lessons to learn how to stop. Um, but as I've gotten to know you a little bit better, I sense that this is just part of who you are, introspective, contemplative, reflective, a listener, and maybe this is where you can go into what a projector is also, because when you taught me about this, it all of a sudden helped me make even more sense of my life journey. Yeah, um, I think I was born into the world um, in a particular, I think we're all born in with a, a certain life that we were born into, but not necessarily the life we were born to live. And so I think we learn these lessons along the way. My um, repeating pattern has been codependent. And so whether that's, you know, with my parents, whether that's with my, you know, spouse or ex-spouse or partner, um, it's really been about um, always being the person who was giving, 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 but not really standing up for myself. I would make commitments and leave my heart behind and then not uh, really think about what it meant to me as long as everybody else was happy. It was you know, I was, I didn't like to rock the boat. I was always the peacemaker and always wanted everybody else to be happy. Um, and, and it took me quite a while, um, in my life to realize that it's not just about everybody else being happy, that I, I have a voice too, and I have a choice and, um, that I'm important. So it, it's kind of overcoming those things. And I, I think I, I gave myself, um, a lot of forgiveness when I did learn about what I meant to be a projector and my projector style in particular. Um, and projectors are meant to be guides. And so they are people who are designed to um, provide guidance to others. And so we're naturally, um, we just are naturally um, designed to 
not necessarily give advice, but kind of have the bigger picture in mind and sort of know directionally, like what should happen. In my case, um, I don't have an internal authority. And so my voice is my authority. And so for me, not knowing that for most of my life, I gave away my power and I would use my voice. I didn't know I was always asking, hey, what would you do about this? What do you think about this? How should I handle this? to my partners who didn't necessarily have my best interest at heart or to my, my, my workplace or to my, you know, wherever it was, I was constantly asking, seeming like it needed to be validation, but it really was just a sounding board and I need to talk it through to make my decision. Mm -hmm. So had I known that in my earlier in my life, I probably would have made very different decisions, but I let other people influence what, um, what my decisions were. Hmm. I love that. And as you're talking, I'm starting to think about this discernment between, um, like, I remember in college being told by a few people, I was a people pleaser. And I didn't know what that was. So it just made me angry. And I had um, a couple of professors who sat me down at one point and said, you have to start learning to say no to people, because you're literally getting sick. You're only 21 years old and you're getting sick from doing too much uh, and and the stories continue then into young adulthood of repeated burnout and this like similar patterns right so I am just so amazed at all of these different terms that can help us understand and describe what it means to give power away but for someone who's never experienced that or never been told that never heard any of those phrases how would you describe what that feels like and what does it feel like when you stop giving your power away and reclaim it when you hold it hold it tight to you and you know how to use it finally yeah I mean I will so great questions and I will couple that with also um people who hold a high vibration or have a lot of what you would say, light or just this energy about them. Projectors are constantly projecting their energy. And I tend to be a very high vibration and happy person. And most of my life, I was told to tone it down, tone it down, tone it down. You're smiling too much. You're too friendly. You're attracting attention to yourself. Like it's your fault that all these people, you know, want to date you or do like, it was always like, it, it's me. There's something wrong with me. And I think that was part of the programming that I even, you know, grew up with and um, had some interesting experiences as a, as a young woman. But as you, and, and you know, it's different for everybody, but I think as you recognize and appreciate who you are in the world and what you're meant to be, whether, and uh, projectors too are, are orchestrators. So being, just physically being in a space or in a meeting or, or wherever you are, people notice me. They always have. I just didn't understand why. Now it's a little bit, I understand a little bit more why. And I don't have to make it be, there's no shame. I don't have to make it be wrong. I don't have to tone it down. I can actually throw a smile at somebody and feel like, oh, maybe I just help that person have a great day as opposed to, I'm going to, you know, I can't like, I'm just too much and people think. So I think for me, that's kind of been, you know, stepping into that awareness of whether it's positive or negative. If I'm, if I'm having a bad day, I'm also impacting people in a negative way. So I try, mm -hmm. I, those don't happen very often, but uh, my daughter will come in from work and say, bad vibes. I don't know what's happening, but she can sense it right away. She's also pretty empathic, but 
So being aware that everything that is happening around me and how I'm feeling is being projected out onto others. It's it's really amazing how other people can pick up very quickly on it, whether whether they know us or not, they can sense if something's not quite right, whether it's in our eyes or in our voice or in our posturing. Um, and just as we were beginning our conversation today, talking about how 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 the energy can change from the morning to the afternoon, from one day to the next. And um being someone that's very intuitive, very empathic, you also have the background of like very high profile, high responsibility corporate work. And I'm always amazed to meet other women, especially who have have those two kinds of backgrounds and passions. So can you talk a little bit about how that, how did you do what you did in a corporate setting? And how are you healthy, well, thriving today? Um, how did you go through all of that and, and hold on to that essence of compassion that you have? I will first say I am truly blessed because I my demeanor is just to be positive. I am always a glass half full. I always have been. So I'm very grateful for that. I do not take that for granted because I know that's not something that um, not everyone doesn't have that gift. Corporate for me... So I have a very, um, the way that my mind works, it's a, it's a very, it's a fixed, I have a closed mind, but it processes super fast. So I can go from like stage one all the way up to stage six really quickly. But for me, the doing part was the part that almost killed me. And what I want to say is I did, um, I did get sick. I got in a pretty serious car accident. I, uh, you know, the universe sort of knocks on your door and it's like, Hey, too much, too much. You got to pay attention to you. And then you have to be more mindful of where you're spending your time and focus and energy. And at that time I had a marriage that was falling apart. I had two teenage daughters who were not doing well. I was, um, my, my place to shine or so I thought was at the office. And so everything I had, I poured into where I felt like I could do good because everything else was falling apart. Um, and what I know now, and, and, you know, we all, we can all do that for a certain amount of time until we then burn out. Right. And then these other things happen. Um, and so I leveraged my, my, my corporate experience. I sort of step, step stoned and step stoned to the next thing. And then, um, the one thing I wanted to do was go to a, international job with a big company. And so kind of manifested all of that. And so that was the last thing that I did before I left um, corporate. Now, what I will say, which is fascinating, I didn't know human design then, which I know now. And I do do some corporate um, consulting. Uh, I've done some things sort of back in that culture. And knowing what I know now about projectors and having to be asked for your opinion it's a very different approach and very different energy when you can just be, and then when they're asking, hey, what would you do about that? And then being able to offer that is a much different place than being in all of it and trying to like, again, hey, over, over here, I can, I can help you or blurting out the answer, but then having, you know, somebody not acknowledge, which also, you know, happened. But again, and again, and then feeling bad, like, what, did I say it wrong? Like, what, like, what happened? They didn't, they didn't hear me. They couldn't hear me. So, um, I think that answered your question. I kind of got off on a tangent, but no, how did I do perfect. it? I got super clear 
about getting healthy. I started um, really taking care of myself from a physical standpoint. I started running uh, just for the mental clarity of running. I uh, hired a personal trainer. I went to the gym. I got physically strong and I used that physical strength also to help my mindset. And so for me, it was all about getting back to being in your body, to feeling good and strong and healthy. And that is what got me over the illness as well as sort of helped me gain clarity. And I think the running really did it. I I did a half marathon, just, it was super easy. And I just, fitness became my, my thing. I love that. And in the corporate experiences that you had, um, like recognizing how limited female leadership is, especially over time, right? The longevity of women in leadership is much, much different than men in leadership in the corporate space. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like sisterhood in the corporate world, is that even a thing? As many women experience that whole idea of like women eating their own in that realm. So I will say, I'm going to have so many stories, but, um, it is a thing. You can have it. Uh, it. It's a, you have to curate it, I think, yourself. And I will give you a, an example of a program that I ran um, while I was at, um, I mean, it's in my LinkedIn, but I was at Microsoft for, for a dozen years. Um, and I did run a, a Synergy Network program. I had a, an outside coach. And for seven years, we created this uh, group of women. We had created a code of conduct and how we were going to actually behave with each other in meetings. And we were sprinkled throughout the company. And as it grew and more people were in it, it actually did have a very positive effect because when you know somebody has your back and they're going to, if you speak up, calling somebody's calling out behavior or calling somebody out for being a bully or really naming whatever the behavior is and someone that you know who they don't know that they're in the network but the the person in the network is like hey yeah I agree with her that's that's not okay someone's going to stand up for you and you can you can do it I mean there's we did a blueprint for it it lasted it was seven years when I went off to Singapore I think it didn't um it didn't carry over because I was kind of the main sponsor of it. But um, that, that was pretty amazing. Um, And I will, and I think, I think probably my biggest, um, one of the things I loved about it, one of the managers who was a, a man um, of one of the women, uh, because it was a corporate sponsored program. And I think he said, I don't know what you do in these meetings, but I've seen this person transform into someone else. It's when you have the confidence that you, there are other like-minded women. And again, you all are like, this is the code. This is what we agreed to. And this is how we're going to behave ourselves. And we're going to back each other up on this. And it's, it's really amazing what can happen. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's powerful. And you've used the word culture a few times, which Uh, is also really cool to me because um, as minds develop strategy, um, all of a sudden we can begin to realize that culture can destroy strategy quite quickly. (laughs) So something I'm very, very amazed with your work is how you learned to um, not leverage one for the other, but to learn how to build strategy while developing culture. So that ultimately the goal would be to balance the wellness and the well-being, not only of the organization, but of the humans that are doing it. The human capital. 
you have to really take care of the people. And I, I do, I, I am a really firm believer. I think trust and integrity has to be at the basic of every cultural relationship that you have. So knowing that people are going to do what they say and say what they do, that that's like basic. And if you can't have that, and I think we all know, we've all worked for companies where they say one thing, but then they do something else. It's like, well, on the paper, it's this, but the norms are this. So yeah. it's very disconnected. And you can, so now like I feel that I, you can sense it, you can feel it. You can immediately walk in and be like, oh, this is not an alignment. This is not an integrity. Yes. And everyone can feel those things. So what do you think it is about yourself or other people who develop the skill to name it? What is that? Why can you name it? Um, and, and everybody else feels it? Is that part of being a projector and a visionary? Do you think? Or is that part of awareness and developing those introspective skills? I would say it's a little bit of both. I think projectors probably have a leg up on some others in sensing that and just knowing that. But I think for me too, I gained the ability to speak up over the year. I mean, early in my career, I would have never done that. I mean, you sort of like, you're, you know, if you're going along, like I'm just doing my thing over here. Don't look at me. <laughs> but even when I was doing that, I will say, I, I mean, I just have some really crazy stories of, of what, happened in particular with female leaders and these women, you know, who can, who can eat their own. And, you know, as a, as a young professional, I will say kind of out of college and in my first job that I had, um, I had this, I had this great, highly visible job and I didn't know I was early twenties and I was kind of doing my thing. And, um, without mentioning companies or names or anything, I will just say there was a particular person who didn't really uh, care for the fact that I spent a lot of time with um, the CEO talking about stocks and strategies and competitors and some other things. And to me, it was it was great because it was we were having this discourse about you know, and it was misconstrued and it was uh, I was I was accused of many things that didn't happen. And I was so as a as a young woman, I was so deflated and I was also so disgusted that people in power or this particular um, person, because I don't, and, and I, I guess at that time I could also feel it. Like you kind of felt there was something off, but you didn't really know. And you could sense like, I don't really trust this, but, and then to have that sort of come in and be like, no, you did this and this, and it, which was, couldn't have been further from the truth, but you're totally not in power to say anything or do anything to retaliate about it. And it was devastating for me. I, because it was so not who I was. So anyways, it was like, how could they think that about me? Like, I would never do that. And why would, why would you say that? And so at the time, Young didn't think, well, it wasn't really about me. It was more about mm -hmm. the other person. But anyway, so I think it's a combination of experiences along the way, sort of getting a little bit of a, a thicker skin. And also it's coming into knowing who you are and what you bring to the situation that allows you to stand up and say, no, that's not okay. And also I'm not attached to the outcome. So it doesn't really matter to me what you think, because this is what I see. This is what I feel. So I'm going to call it out and you can do with that what you mm -hmm. want. Yeah. You also mentioned a few minutes ago, 
uh, a male leader who recognized some of the outcomes or the changes, the transformation happening in this program that you were leading. So on that note, what do you think is the responsibility of men in helping to hold space, share space, create space for sisterhood, whether it's in personal, professional, community life? I think that being an ally, and I know that's a big term that people are throwing around right now, whether it's for, you know, whatever, um, I, I've mostly spent my life in tech, so it's a, a, a male-dominated industries, I guess I would say, um, and in that particular case, holding the space for that and uh, supporting that from a financial, from a, from a um, energetic, from a time, like, yes, go do that and have that time and make sure that you are able to um, connect on that level because you know women they gather and that's what they do and that's when they are creative and they're co-creative and you know one plus one equals three and so it's not that it can't be the men but like that is really really an important part of of synergy and and leveraging each other's gifts mm-hmm. um i i would say i think that as we come into this next era of whatever this is going to be balancing the masculine and the feminine in all of us and um, having having the masculine or the men understand a little bit more about how that transpires for women and holding space for that I think is really important because I think um, we're just different creatures and that I mean we're not meant to be the same yeah that's amazing (laughs) Um, for girls and young women that are listening to this, what would your greatest single piece of advice be on thriving if they could fast track and and not have to make any mistake that you've made or experience some of the pain you've experienced? What would that advice be? How can they thrive sooner in life? Yeah, here's what I would say to that. It's kind of um, maybe threefold. One, listen to your heart and know how to express your feelings. Like really use the right words, figure out what the feelings are that you're feeling. Your your anger really is related to something else underneath. And being able to really sit with that, feel that and articulate that to someone else is is massive when you are sort of communicating or getting into partnership with anyone, whether it's a a partner or a work, whatever that is, communicating about your feelings is so big. And we're not really taught that. I don't think we're effectively taught that at all. That'd be the first thing. The second thing is know your values. What's valuable to you? And what is your... what's your line, right? What, what do you, you're not going to like, you go over this line and that's, that's it. That's my, those are my parameters. Those are my boundaries, right? And knowing your, your boundaries, what you're willing to do or not do. Um, and then when you do find somebody to share your life with, make sure that you pay attention to the inner voice inside of you. And when things don't feel right, or things feel like you're giving up too much or, um, it, it's a, it, I can't ex- describe it other than it's just a feeling. And I guess when we're going through life, we want to be feeling more of the joy and the good instead of the sad and the, because here's what happens when things happen that make us sad or make us upset, you know, each thing we kind of explain away, explain away, explain away, whether it's a job or a relationship, whatever that is. And one day we wake up and it's like, how did I get to the bottom of this pile of, you know what? 
and it's, I don't know how to get out. And so it's the explaining away and the, the cutting away of what you, your essence and, and giving away that power. And that's how it happens. And so listening to that, honoring that and, and being your own best friend and showing up for yourself and saying, I would never let someone treat my friend that way. I would never talk to my friend that way. I'm not going to talk to myself that way. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to be my own best friend. And that really truly is my best piece of advice. That's amazing. Thank you. I'm taking that to heart right now myself. (laughs) Okay. And then this final question is a little bit more playful again, and it's um, creating a recipe or creating a fresh new model. If you could create a space for sisterhood right now today, what are the three key ingredients or the three pillars that would stand the model up? Okay. Wow. That's, um, well, for one, for me, one pillar for me has to be, um, and I, and I don't, I guess I don't know what the container would be, but creativity and letting people bring that creativity, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, um, painting, whether it's knitting, whatever that is bringing some level of creativity and fun and laughter in is really big for me. Um, having a, a values connection again, sort of um, being connected on a in a way that you understand and can speak the same language. And you um, again, it's, a, it's this back and forth of an energetic um, exchange, right? We each have a value, and we exchange that value with each other, and then we build greater. And co-creation, I think, would be the the last one. I think they're all kind of interrelated, but to me, that's what sisterhood is. It's gathering, it's sharing your gifts, and it's coming out greater than when you went in. Beautiful. I love that so much. (laughs) We're creating that right now, aren't we? (laughs) We are. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, Tell us where we can find you. Uh, Can we listen to you somewhere? Can we read? Can we work with you? Where are you and how do we find you? My company is 4C Discernment. So you can send me an email at Kathy with a C at four f-o-u-r-c discernment i use those four c's because that's what we how we discern who we are and where we're going um i so i do have a website you can schedule time with me there and that's again four c discernment with the four spelled out so um i also lead retreats and so i'm going to be doing a retreat down to um arkansas to the uh go visit the largest ports vein of uh, crystal ports in north america and sit in the hot springs in Arkansas, which is going to be amazing in September and more to come. I have one in Sedona coming up, but that one's already closed. So. So cool. You have so much creativity. I love your vision and the way that you put things together with models and, and strategy and methodology and create experiences for other people to develop and evolve their own consciousness. It's a gift and, uh, very, very needed in the world right now. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing it with us here today. Thank you for hosting me and for allowing me to just be. Yes. All of your links are going to be in the show notes later so people can go and find you. And again, I appreciate you spending some time with us. 